You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. And sometimes the amount of stories that make their way to us means that we simply can't cover everything that comes our way. But from time to time, a story just stays with me, and I feel compelled to share it with you and give you my thoughts. And now, one more thing. Okay, so today's story will be coming from none other than Fox News. And I know what you're thinking. Why in the world would he center a Fox News article on this show? Well, it's important that we know exactly how the media can frame a narrative and how susceptible we are to um, the media's influence, in this case, right-wing media. Um, we know that our heroes um, are very much our heroes and they're very much villainized um, by our opposition. Um, this was true of Dr. King. This was true of Malcolm X. You know, these people that you know, in hindsight, everyone looks at them and says, wow, these were great men, uh, in particular, Dr. King. Um, but during his lifetime, you got to bear in mind, most people had an unfavorable opinion of Dr. King. And he was the same man that we know. We, we know him now, but at the time, folks had an unfavorable opinion of him. And that, of course, had a lot to do with how folks felt in that day, but also had a lot to do with the media. Media can take advantage of our prejudices, even if the prejudices are against our own people, and manipulate them uh, for their benefit to maintain white supremacist institutions and ideals. And I want to talk about this article because I believe that to be largely on display, full display, right here. 
So the title of the article is Sharpton's National Action Network Salary Nearly Doubles, Spending Big on Private Jet Flights. And then the subheading says National Action Network Spends Nearly $1 million on Private Jets, Limos for Social Justice Events. The implication here being that, or rather the suggestion is that uh, your donations to Al Sharpton are being mismanaged so that he can live high on the hog or something like that. This is something that we've seen before. And I want to challenge uh, that assertion because I don't believe it to be true, if I'm honest. So let's look at some of the numbers. I'll, I'll give you loose numbers just so that it's easier to follow. So long and short of it is uh, Al Sharpton's salary is somewhere in the neighborhood of $400,000. Um, add to that that he gets bonuses and benefits, you know, things like this. Um, so that might be more money than you would expect for Al Sharpton to receive. You know, maybe that's true. But I want you to ask yourself a question. Why is it that do-gooders need to be poor? Why is it, why is your assumption that a person in his position could make too much money? Right? Again, if money is mismanaged, if this, if this was an article about how Al Sharpton was stealing money from people or was not using money for its intended purpose, you know, that would be a different uh, story. But this kind of borders on that because of what it alludes to. And I want us to be mindful of this. Okay. So let's say that Reverend Sharpton is the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, and let's call it the National Action Network, okay? CEOs of multi-million dollar companies use limousines for transportation. They don't get Ubers. They don't get taxis. They use limousines. CEOs fly on private jets oftentimes with, you know, the folks that they work with because they have to take their, you know, uh, group of people that they work with with them to other locations. This doesn't say he's taking uh, the jet to vacations or whatever. And if he was, he'd be entitled to that, just like any other CEO of a multimillion dollar corporation, right? But we think because he's black and because he's a do-gooder, he, he needs to be poor, right? Now, this isn't the same as like, churches mismanaging money or anything like that. We're talking about a bona fide CEO, right? Uh, the, the majority of his life, he's been dedicated to these causes. He shows up, he speaks, he organizes all the things that we expect from our leaders, right? And if he was the leader of any other industry, he would be compensated perhaps even better than this, right? So we're expecting for him to take a, a loss financially to do good work. When the truth is, what it takes to recruit executive talent, the money that it takes to recruit that level of talent to, to cause an industry or an enterprise to thrive, it's very expensive. You know, people don't go to business school for years and then go to law school for years and all this sort of to get out and then make, you know, pennies. They get out to make millions. 
That's why you go to school. That's why you dedicate your your time and your mind and your patient with your career trajectory. And you, you know, you do everything. We play the game the best you can to try to create those outcomes. And it's almost like we hold it against someone if they, rather than be a corporate shark and take advantage of, you know, all that capitalism has to offer, which often comes at the expense of black and brown people and poor people and marginalized people, rather than giving them a round of applause, we're like pocket watching. I'm, I'm guilty of it too. You know, once upon a time, and then I learned to kind of rethink this one. Um, the article goes on to say something about him having relatives on his payroll. And I learned something in business school. It was a case study in uh, India. I actually went to business school and I do have a master's degree. Um, so hopefully I can kind of have a little bit of authority in this space. So um, case study, uh, a gentleman flies to India to set up a call center. He hires an Indian man to staff the call center. The Indian man has a last name. Let's call it, I don't remember the last name, but let's say um, Gupta, right, for a last name. So then uh, the gentleman that flew over in the first place and hired the recruiter looks at all of the folks that the recruiter recruited and sees a good chunk of them also have the last name Gupta. So he goes to his hiring manager and says, hey, man, a lot of these folks have your last name. Um, what, what's, what's the deal here? And the Indian man says back to him, yes, these are my family. The guy says, well, why are you hiring your family? We're supposed to be hiring the best people for the job. And the Indian man responds back and he says, well, um, the truth is I can teach anybody how to work in a call center. But I can't teach people how to be loyal. I can't have a an expectation that they are going to stay and grow with the business, that they will um, look out for the best interests of the business rather than themselves. But when it comes to people that I'm, I know, my family, if I know that they're in need of a job and I'm giving them the job, that creates an extra bond. That creates an extra investment in the outcomes with the business. And the first gentleman had to take a step back and say, hmm, this is different. Of course, this was an international business class. I was learning this case study and it was teaching us that there is more than one way to do business and that we need to challenge our preconceptions going into business. But, um, you know, this article tries to suggest that Al Sharpton is somehow lining his pockets and his family members' pockets and that no work is getting done, unlike the Trump administration. Um, I think that a lot of this stems from prejudices that we have ourselves. Let's be honest. We have a belief, you know, white supremacy, white supremacist institutions have reinforced these ideas that poor is our natural state. Perhaps this is why it's so exciting to see someone being wealthy. It's, it's, it's almost jarring. You know, when we see someone who's black and poor, you know, for most of us in most of the country, if you live in Atlanta or a place like that, 
you know, maybe you're used to seeing black wealth. If you're from LA, places like that, really progressive, or there's a lot of black excellence in, in the air, used to seeing that. But for most of the country, if you see a black person in a poor neighborhood, you're like, yeah, that, that checks out. Like seeing a duck in water. But if you see a black person in a Rolls Royce next to you at the light or pulling up to his mansion, you might say, huh, how about that? Right. So I don't think this is any different. You know, these these media outlets playing on our preconceptions that poor is our natural state. And again, trying to frame this around, let's say, money being mismanaged. There's a whole article about it in Fox News, right? And I believe the attempt is to uh, expose him, quote unquote, or otherwise impact the amount of monies that people donate to his efforts. And and this comes at, at approximately the same time as we've seen you know, there, I, I can, I'll give you a story of a white person committing an actual crime and nothing happening. A name you may know, Brett Favre. This is a football player, a Hall of Fame football player. I'll be the first to admit, I don't know the first thing about sports. I'm a music guy, okay? But I do know the name Brett Favre. And Brett Favre, you can look this up. This man stole money from, I believe it was the Mississippi welfare system and nothing happened. There's a stunning silence surrounding that. It's all out there for the world to see. But, you know, people weren't trying to tear this guy down. People weren't, you know, you know, it made it to the news. Absolutely. That's how I know about it. So I'll be fair. Made it to the news. But there was no. What should we do about this sort of energy in any of the stuff that I read about this guy? And why am I making a big deal out of Reverend Sharpton? Well. I read what happened to BLM. Okay. Now I'm going to present this as factually as I possibly can so that it doesn't feel like I have an opinion one way or another. But BLM, the organization, not just the, 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 the phrase, the affirmation, but the actual organization, uh, has actually done good things since the death of Trayvon Martin in 2012. They've organized, they've been on the streets, they've, you know, they've, I've seen this. I, Ramses, have seen this with these eyes, right? And they were coming at BLM from all sides during the George Floyd protests in 2020 trying to cast doubt George Soros and all, you know, trying to make these bizarre connections and trying to make it, you know, more than what it is, trying to give it a sinister um, uh, narrative. Um, and, and again, it came from all sides. This was a, um, a riot. They, they were starting riots and all this sort of stuff, right? But what is a weak spot? Well, we've seen money. Right now, I remember what happened to the Panthers. Remember is a strong word. I read and remember what I read about what happened to the Panthers. Okay, uh, the Panthers were absolutely villainized in nearly all the media, and they didn't care. 
They had work to do. They had lives to save. They had to fight police brutality. They had to, you know, inform the community about their rights. They had to create free breakfast programs. They had to um, deal with uh, health issues in the black community. You know, sickle cell. They had to raise the kids up and make sure that the kids knew how to protect themselves and were protected. Right. So they had bigger things to worry about. But public opinion about the Panthers was shaped largely by the media in place at the time. And it's the the less biased media that has survived since then that has caused us to relook, take another look at, at the Panthers and say, you know, these were folks who were just standing up for their people, which is absolutely true. But back to BLM. I read that BLM, uh, one of the, the people bought a mansion with the donations, right? Which again, on its face, sounds crazy. Like, wait a minute, that money is supposed to be helping to fight, you know, uh, police brutality and injustices and, you know, to cement the affirmation that Black Lives Matter into the consciousness of the United States of America. What are you doing buying a mansion? Which I get. That's what the media does. They pick and choose certain pieces of it. I work in the media and I've been the subject of the media now where the media has focused on me, the individual. And so I know exactly how it works from all, from all sides. But what happens here? Well, when you look at BLM's response, what do they say? Well, they say, um, I mean, you think of it as a mansion. We think of it as a compound. We needed a place where we could be assured that there were no bugs, that we had a gate, that we could hide people. We could have meetings and be protected. The drones couldn't fly over. You know, we needed a headquarters. Okay. Now that story gets a lot deeper and I'm not going to pretend like I know everything about it. Um, but I recognize again, unbiased, that there's two sides to every story and one side seems intent on framing a narrative around what would be akin to stealing. Again, as far as I know, there's been no criminal charges brought against Al Sharpton. No criminal charges brought against BLM. But I want us to be mindful of what we read and what we hear. Because there are people out there that will attack our heroes, that will attack our champions. These people attack me. Right? Happens all the time. I don't want to live a life of being poor. You know? I want to affirm everything that is necessary for my people. I want to create a world that's a better place for my children and your children, whatever color they are. And I also would like to live quite comfortably. And I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. Now, maybe I'm wrong, as always. Maybe you have some thoughts you need to share. And this is the place to do it. So please reach out to me. I'm at Ramses Ja on all social media. And of course, you can use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. Let me know what you think. And as always, we'll figure a path forward together. And until next time, y'all, peace. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.